Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Elst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing very well. I am uh, in full speed for the year. I was just looking at the date and realizing that we're almost halfway through. So soon we'll be on the other side and preparing yeah, for wrapping is, things up again. Exactly. It is going really quickly, but I suppose we say that every year, don't we, Amanda? <laughs> yes, indeed we do. And I'm looking at our episodes. We're up to episode 161. Wow. Can you believe That's that? amazing, Amanda. Gosh, that sounds exhausting. Mm. <laughs> a lot of talking. <laughs> a lot of talking. A lot of talking. One of my neighbours watched uh, one of my webinars recently and she said, oh, my God, you can talk. I don't realise. I just, yeah. I don't know if someone with an American accent would say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I giving her away? Uh, it's not an American accent. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But yes, that's the nature of this medium is we can all talk at you, everybody. There you go. And you don't get to talk back. <laughs> and you can turn us off at any time when you get sick of hearing, listening to our voices. <laughs> that is true. Exactly. All right. Now let's stop being self-indulgent and let's talk about your challenge for this week, Rena. This is a very interesting and sort of distressing challenge because it's really hard to see owners suffering. But in this particular scheme, it's a fairly new scheme and, and the, the basement car park is basically unusable. Um, the anchors haven't been installed properly. It's flooded. It's Oof. just a big mess. And obviously the um, developer and the builder just want to come in and, and do a Band-Aid job. They won't actually let us know what they're going to do. They won't provide a specification for our engineer to actually assess. Mm. So unfortunately, the Owners Corporate has had to instigate legal proceedings to get a meeting to occur. Mm. In the meantime, we're getting numerous phone calls from property managers and owners who have basically rented out their apartments with car spaces, not knowing that the car spaces were not usable. Mm. And many tenants are going back to their owners and landlords saying, well, we want a rent reduction. And they're mm. all coming to us, Amanda, and saying, well, what do we do? Like, you know, we've had to park on the street and street parking is very limited. And there are also storage cages as well that haven't been able to be let out, which are part of leases, mm. which were part of leases originally. So originally cars were parking there, but it be- became so bad a minute people had to then, that's corporation had to basically stop any entry into that car park. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you really feel, I really feel sorry for the owners who are losing rent and who are obviously having these also rent claims against the owners and mm-hmm. gain a fair trading. And, um, yeah, so I was just questioning Amanda in a sense, you know, what are the owners corporation's obligations when there yeah. is a, a very substantial defect um, that it is trying to negotiate with the builder and, and follow all the legal processes in order to do so. Mm. But in the meantime, people are suffering, you know, loss of income. Yeah, gosh, what a headache. Uh, Have a look at Section 106 of the Act, which is, as lots of our listeners will know, the section that says an owner's corporation must properly maintain and keep in a state of good and serviceable repair the common property. If you have a look further down that section to subsection 4, it says if an owner's corporation has taken action – 
against an owner or other person in respect of damage to the common property, it may defer compliance with its repair and maintenance obligation until the completion of the action if the failure to comply will not affect the safety of any building structure or the common property. Now, I wonder if this this is new. This was not in our 96 Act. I wonder if this section would allow the owner's corporation to delay the repair and maintenance of this area because it is asking a third party, being the builder or the developer, to do it. What it doesn't say here is that the owner's corporation will be off the hook for any damages, any losses Mm. that may be suffered. It doesn't say that because, as you know, this section is also, Section 106 is also the place where we find the right of lot owners to recover damages from the owner's corporation because of a failure to repair and maintain. So being a new section, we haven't seen this, as far as I'm aware, this tested, but I'd be asking, I imagine you've got lawyers involved. Yes, we do actually. I'd be asking them whether this subsection 4 in Section 106 helps you it probably does yeah I think it does Amanda in relation to damages that are being suffered well I'd certainly be telling the developer about those claims and making sure that they are aware that these are the losses that are being claimed by lot owners and we will be looking to recover these losses from you Mr developer absolutely and it's important to put them on notice of that sooner rather than later even if the owners corporation has to pay them out first and recover them later just to exactly mitigate, if you like, and avoid increased costs down the track. That would certainly be something to talk to your lawyers about, but a very sticky situation. And this is what happens when you have this defective work and bad builds, it just snowballs into these big, big problems. And it's funny you should say that, Amanda, about, you know, the snowballing of problems, because when you think about, you know, like say the Opal Tower and all those other sort of events that have occurred recently and, you know, and the cladding incidents. And, and to me, it just seems like there's such a protracted course of action that needs to be taken by owners' corporations just to basically get to square one. Mm. And really, I think the government has really let apartment owners down when it comes to new new buildings and these types of defects where, Mm. you know, there's basically these, you know, third-party certifications that, you know, if the certifiers don't certify them, they'll never get work from those those companies ever again. And that's pretty much well known in, in the industry. In this particular case, they didn't even do the proper water testing to see how acidic the water was before mm-hmm. they installed the piers. They relied on, you know, some other third-party report. And it just goes to show you, I mean, how did these things happen? I mean, how mm-hmm. did these buildings get built with such poor compliance with the law, you know, poor yeah. management? And these apartments are so expensive. I mean, if you look at any apartment, Amanda, like in terms of, you know, like you look at them advertised, one, one bedroom, 860000 like, <laughs> you know, two bedrooms, you know, nine, three. Over, I mean, it, and these are just, you know, new apartments in sort of the inner city areas. We're not talking about in a harbour of views or anything. Mm. And you feel sorry for people. They've invested all their money in these, in the development and mm. then, they sold the dream, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The they just sold the dream. It's really just distressing. Yes, it is indeed. And I'm not sure that there's any easy answer absent legislative intervention. And mm. I know many advocacy groups that support this sector have been calling for that for a long time and it just doesn't seem to be happening. I'm not sure. I imagine this building, uh, the construction was started too early for the defects bond to play a part. Yes, yeah, it's a few years old now, so yeah. it's not like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the government 
government will tell you that that's what that is there for and that that's going to cure a lot of our problems. I think we would not agree with that. Really. No, I think so. well, sometimes the quantum amount of the defects is is way more than those types of amounts that they're, they're putting aside as a bond. Mm, indeed. So a sad example of what some new buildings and their owners are going through. But keep us updated on that one, Rena. if, um, yeah, how you work your way through. Yeah, and we have a great lawyer that's helping us, so it's really good to have that assistance and, and good experts as well. Yep, excellent. All right, my challenge for this week, it is a question from a member inside the Your Strata Property membership community, and it's a question that I could not answer. And I said, I am going to bring this question to the podcast and I'm going to ask the guru, that is Irina Van Alst, does she know the answer to this question? Can a building change its financial year? Well, the answer is yes, um, but I think you have to have a good reason to change the financial year end. Um, the majority of times that we've had to do that in the past, Amanda, is because the levy cycle doesn't align with the financial year end. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, like you might have a financial year end of 31 July 2019, but your levies are due like 1 January, 1 April, 1 October. So the, the levy cycle doesn't align with your financial year end. Mm. Sometimes you need to just change it mm-hmm. to bring it in line with that. So that's usually the reasons that I've been involved in where we've had to change the year end. And obviously that's put to a general meeting and, it, and it's adopted at general meeting. So it's not just something. Okay. So that's how you've done it because that was the specific question. Is it an ordinary resolution? Is it a special resolution? Can we do it at all? Because we can't see it in the act. I wasn't aware of any buildings doing it. Yeah. Well, I think the Act is very prescriptive about, you know, the financial year and apart from having an AGM in a financial year, but yes. you can't because the financial year obviously starts at a date that was set, you know, just after the first AGM. So that's a sort of an arbitrary date. So if you ch- And usually the reasons that people do change it is to align their levy cycle with their financial year end. So all the 12 months of levies sit within the right period. But I don't know perhaps any, there would be any other reason why you'd want to do that. Mm. So ordinary resolution, you say, and the strata schemes uh, accountant or when they're doing the financial statements will just close off. Yeah, so you've got to readjust your your financials and how much you collect. So one quarter will be probably for four months rather than three months just to make up for the – yeah, if you're aligning it, or it could be less. So yeah, that has or a two month. It'll be a two month levy rather than a three. Yeah, so it'll basically just change to fit in with that financial year end. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Thank you for that quick answer. Mm. That's what we're here for. That's what Rena's here for. She's got all the answers. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to your win for this week, Rena. Yeah. So again, as I said to you in our last podcast, Amanda, sometimes you think that you've everything that could ever happen to you in Strata has happened to you or you've heard about from someone else going through a particular issue. But um, in this particular scheme, we took over quite recently there was an ongoing issue with a particular owner, which is not unusual. And unfortunately, that lot owner named me and individual um, members of the committee as respondents. And so, of course, we had to get our lawyer to go to the tribunal and undertake that exercise. And, and when I was at the tribunal, I mean, that person said, oh, yeah, I, mean, I don't have anything against Rena. Like, it's- <laughs> I just named her as a respondent to my litigation, but I, I really quite <laughs> yeah. like her. <laughs> yeah, but, but unfortunately, I think what it brings to light, Amanda, is that Again, like we talked about the Land Registry Services 
and LPI, which is the former name, you know, people can just lodge any application at the tribunal. And and as the member said, that you know, we don't vet anything. We just it just goes into a you know queue of applications. And mm. rather than saying at the time, if there was some vetting process. And at least they said, well, hang on, you know, people obviously, you know, people aren't represented, they just do it themselves. And I'm sure that if the tribunal, you know, paid an extra person just to perhaps do some vetting, at least this mm. case, when, you know, the person would have said, oh, no, no, I don't mean that. Yes. Then there wouldn't have been a case to remove us. We wouldn't have had legal fees incurred to, you know, and all this sort of. Yeah. So I think, you know, there is a lot to be said about the whole sort of processes where people can just lodge application after application after application and really, unless you get a cost order, which again is not easy to get in the tribunal, as we yeah. all know, mm. to me, you know, having a forum where lot owners can cheaply bring their issues to is, is a wonderful concept, except when someone becomes, let's say vexatious, maybe that might be a bit of a strong word, but, you know, people have, have an issue. And mm. I just think sometimes when there's no repercussions for people doing things, it just sometimes can encourage, not always, in some situations, um, and then you've got to try and extricate yourself from, from a situation and then go to all the cost and time and energy of doing mm. so. Yes, not to mention that uh, emotional burden. It's probably something you're more comfortable with than, say, resident owners or committee members when you're named in tribunal proceedings. But I can imagine yeah. that that would be quite confronting to get a letter in the mail that says uh, you're being taken to the tribunal for uh, whatever reasons are articulated. What we call those types of applications as lawyers are misconceived applications. So certainly it is that situation where the lot owner is doing the job themselves, filling in the application form and just going up and filing something, never really understanding that most often it is not the owners or the committee members who are the correct respondents or the strata manager, it is the building. There are very limited circumstances in which the committee members would be named respondents and having to go through that process of you having to turn up, the other committee members yeah. having to turn up, engage a lawyer uh, to give advice, incur costs. And um, I agree with you absolutely. I think there needs to be a better process at that preliminary level, whether it's at the fair trading level perhaps where they can act uh, perhaps in a bit more of an advisory capacity. I know that owners can ring fair trading and get advice. I don't know how detailed that advice is and sometimes as we know it's not correct. So having a better uh, first stop and being able to get questions answered, who is the correct respondent to this application and even to have the form checked before it goes through, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and even, man, like just a basic checklist, like who is it against, you know, and this has a person's name. Well, you ask the person, who is this person? Are they the responsible, you know, for the building? Who is it part of an owner's corporation or a community association or whatever yeah. it is? There are just very simple things you can ask. And, and in a sense, it, it would actually free up the tribunal because it would basically, he'll go back, write the right thing, and then he can then proceed as he had wished to mm. do so in the first place. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. The win that I would like to bring to the table today, Rena, is to let our listeners know about the SCA, Strata Community Australia, Awards for Excellence. And these are coming up. The submissions for the awards are closing on the 31st of May, so the end of this month. And there's a number of categories in which you can apply for one of these awards. The awards have been running for quite a number of years now. And one in particular that I wanted to 
to draw people's attention to is the Environmental and Engagement Award. Now, this is sponsored by City of Sydney Council and Megan at Council has alerted me to this award and it recognises strata schemes that are working to reduce their impact on the environment. And City of Sydney in particular have said that this year they'd like to see lots of nominations, particularly from outside the City of Sydney area. Uh, I think they tend to get a lot from within their own uh, local government area and they'd like to see a bit more of a mix up from other schemes applying for this award. All nominees receive a complimentary annual membership to SCA New South Wales and the finalists are invited to attend the very nice gala dinner in Sydney, which is on Friday, the 26th of July. And look, the inside tip here is that there aren't a whole heap of nominations uh, for this particular award. And if you apply, you are likely to be attending that very fancy dinner. So have a little think about it. I will put a link to more information in the show notes for this episode, a link across to SCA's website where they give you the online form to submit your application. Uh, But I do recommend checking out that Environmental and Engagement Award. There's a bunch of other awards for strata managers, for strata management businesses, small, large, for rising stars, for team members. There's an essay award. I know Natalie Fitzgerald, who is one of our Women in Strata Steering Committee members, has written about the awards as well in our Women in Strata blog. So we would like to see as many as possible celebrating themselves and their good work. Buildings managers jump in. I think it's a wonderful idea, Amanda, because I think for buildings, it's a good way to showcase all the energy efficiency initiatives that buildings have actually um, instigated. And, and in a sense, you can see from some of the ones that, that I we manage, you've got, you know, savings in, in electricity bills, in water bills. And I think that can also be used for strata schemes as a bit of a marketing tool when you're trying to sell the apartment to say mm-hmm. that, you know, we have receive this award for energy initiatives and um, being environmentally friendly. I think City of Sydney also have a food scraps trial that one of my schemes is participating in. So, Mm. yeah, I think at the moment, um, especially with our federal election coming up, um, historically I think people didn't think about the environment when it came to why they would vote for a particular party. But I think now in terms of how people are feeling about climate change, et cetera, I think this is a good way, I think, for buildings to sort of say, well, we are committed in the way that we're able to, as an owners corporation, to participate in saving our planet. So, mm. and saving money at the same time. You Absolutely. Know. And it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast, how these kinds of initiatives add value to everybody's investment. Yeah. And if your building is in a situation where it can devote some time and a little bit of energy to this kind of initiative, it's a great thing to get involved in. And if you've been doing it, then check out the awards and see if you can get a little pat on the back for it. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is about all we have for this week, Rena. Another great chat. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been wonderful, Amanda. Look forward to catching you next time. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?